Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's try? Is your current idea of self-care closing the door when you pee? If the only chance you have for exercise is the squats you do when you pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne. And I'm Jess. And this is Mama Mama Bites. Hi, listeners. We're so excited to bring you this interview with Courtney Wyckoff, who is the founder of Mama Strong. If you haven't found Mama Strong yet, it's an online workout program and community that's totally different than anything you've uh, done online for workouts. It's geared specifically to the needs of moms and women at various stages in their bodies. And the coolest thing is that the workouts are actually 15 minutes or less and uh, feature Courtney fitting movement into her day the way most of us do while dogs bark and well, if we were recording our workouts, maybe kids holding cats up to the camera the way hers does sometimes. She is a truly real and authentic mama who does not hide the messiness of motherhood. This is especially in her central tenet of Mama Strong, which is the idea of winning ugly. In this spirit, we hope that you can look past some of the little beeps and buzzes in the sound of this episode. The stories and vulnerability that Courtney shares in this episode are a must hear for any mom. And if you're a fan of Courtney, you are going to be even more blown away by the mama and the woman that she is that you will learn even more about. Enjoy. Thank you so much for coming on. I I first found you uh, because... I have to be honest, you know, being a therapist, we're both therapists, and um, we we try to be on top of going and finding the things that our clients mention, and um, yeah. I used to be really good about that. Um, <laughs> after my second kid, n- no, I'm not good at that, and um, so the first client mentioned, like, have you heard of this Mama Strong thing? I'm like, no, 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 say, say more, and then... Um, the next client um, mentioned it, and uh, and people just kept mentioning it, and uh, people were saying that like there was this person doing workouts <laughs> that wasn't trying to sell them shakes, and was all about strength, and wasn't talking about bikini season, and oh my gosh. Um, you know we're both eating disorder therapists, and so it's really hard to help direct people back to movement. That isn't um, all about that stuff. And so I played uh, one of the first workouts and it's you and the dog barking. And I said, oh, my God, I'm in love with this woman. <laughs> this is it. And, it. and so, yeah, we just how did you know there was such a need? How did how did you know that this is what Mama Strong needed to be? Um, You know, I think the truth is and I. Uh, that I didn't know that. Um, I think for me, uh, this stuff comes from um, my own desperation and trying to solve a problem. Um, I think had I been out to actually create a business, it wouldn't have ever worked um, as much as you could consider this, this work to be um, entrepreneurship. I don't, I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm an artist and a body worker and uh I was out to solve a problem and I was just in a lot of pain. Mm. And um, so after my 
first child was born, I was in tons and tons of pain. And I was a Pilates teacher, and I had to go back and work full-time as a Pilates teacher. And that was hard on my body. But then I was, like, kind of living this weird, fake life of, like, core strength. And yet nothing I was teaching was actually helping my body. So it was this strange thing. Um, and then meanwhile, my my belly was hanging out. Things weren't working right. <laughs> and uh, I was trying to do things like P90X at home without telling anybody or like some mm-hmm. crazy ab insanity workouts or things like that. Um, and that went on for, you know, five, five years until I had my second child. And... With Ren being born after the second child was born, uh, my pain got that much worse. Mm-hmm. But along with that, um, the postpartum depression that I'd suffered from the first and my second um, postpartum experience intensified as well. And I was just really depressed. I was laying on the couch all day long. I uh, couldn't get up to move and do anything because I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. And I think out of a place of desperation, I just started doing some research on um, our spines, on people who are thinking differently outside of the Pilates world, not that Pilates is bad, Mm. um, but just people who are thinking differently. And what happened was twofold. One, um, I started to see that uh, there was another issue going on in my body that had to do with all this forward flexion activity that was hurting my core Mm -hmm. and that we need to strengthen our body and extension instead. But then along with that, the other part, was that I started to get um, back into who I was just through the research and through giving myself this other thing to focus on other than my child and how I looked. (laughs) And so uh, that piece started to really uh, help me get out of the depression. Um, So that's where Mama Strong came from. And then I think the way it then turned into actually being a business was uh, uh, just me fighting through the depression, giving myself something to do, uh, channeling my uh, obsessiveness, my OCD and whatever else is going on into something positive. And I don't think that was deliberate. It was just what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there's never anything very like mission directed at the beginning. It was just desperation, a willingness to find a solution and a decision that um that my body could heal and I could find a place back into movement. Um, and that, that was it. And then once that happened, then I saw the need um, very clearly. I need, I saw that people needed and wanted to have different workouts every day. I mm-hmm. saw that people needed and wanted workouts that were 15 minutes and under. And I saw that people, myself included, needed to be able to show up exactly as I was without um, doing anything extra to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So the idea of winning ugly became really important. And um, that was that. That's where Mama Strong started. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's so great. I just love how you talked about, you know, sort of the process of um, discovering Mama Strong was also really about like your your personal um, like identity and moving from, you know, just uh, mothering into like your old self as well and sort of like that journey that you took. I, I love that. Mm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we were wondering as well, why do you feel like movement is such an essential part for moms? Mm. Um, I really believe, and and, um, I'll speak to this also very honestly, um, 
I believe that there is a direct connection between the integration of our pelvic floor um, and our nervous systems and behaving powerfully in the world. And um, I think we ask a lot of women after uh, we give birth to kind of get back into life and get back to ourselves. And it's a lot of self-helpy kind of thinking things Mm -hmm. and very... Um, It feels very action-oriented and very obvious, but um, the reality is is that if our pelvic floors aren't integrated and if our nervous systems aren't settled, the animal in us is feeling um, afraid, is feeling threatened, which I think modern motherhood does to a lot of us, and we don't really talk about it, but our bodies speak for us. You know, that's why a lot of women, after um, we give birth, we find ourselves kind of pulling into a fetal position. It's really our nervous system expressing and saying, like, hey, I don't feel totally safe. For whatever reason, I don't feel totally safe. And um, yet we don't we don't focus on that piece. I like, okay, maybe this woman's body, maybe her pelvic floor hasn't been integrated. And maybe because of that, her nervous system doesn't feel settled. And maybe because of that, she's not able to get back to feeling who she, like who she was before. Mm-hmm. We focus instead on the last piece, which is like how to get back to your life. Mm-hmm. We don't look at like the animal piece, which is like, okay, my pelvic floor just went through all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got zero information about what happened. And the animal in me is really suffering. And... Um, So I think that movement comes into that piece and says, okay, yes, there's a psychological component that we need to deal with, but uh, maybe also we need to deal with the fact that your body, the animal in you, also needs some support, and maybe that needs to happen first. It's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, we can't expect people to self-actualize if they don't have, you know, food and water, and uh, it's the same thing with the female experience. You know, we can't expect women to bounce back or get back to their careers or not suffer through depression if their pelvic floors are not integrated. And that's the base uh, part of our spine and from where our nervous systems experience the world and um, are able to respond to stressors. And if that's compromised, how can we expect the other stuff to come into play? Um, So that's one piece. The other piece is uh, the unpredictable athlete sort of nature of motherhood. Um, and unfortunately we don't train women to be athletes. We don't train, uh, women that motherhood is an athletic venture. Instead, uh, we really just kind of treat it as this thing that happens and, uh, that isn't that big of a deal. And, uh, the reality is motherhood on a daily basis is extraordinarily physical and it's physical in a way, uh, that is really unpredictable and requires a lot of dynamic movement. Um, so I really think that by focusing on movement, the way that I teach it, we're actually saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to raise the standard here for how this person's nervous system needs to operate because that's motherhood. That is how athletic, that is how dynamic, that's how unpredictable it is. And so let's challenge uh, this woman through these types of movements. Um, that's going to then prepare her to do that hard stuff. That's kind of lengthy. Sorry. I hope that no, sense. no. That was, I mean, Jess and I are, are just like, our eyes are popping at each We're other. like nodding our heads yeah. with every sentence. Yeah. I think you're telling not only like our, you know, the lived experience of women, but also like what we hear from all of our clients, 
And, you know, to have that just like put into language that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I especially, yeah. you know, um, speaking to the latter piece, I, I sort of had to laugh because I actually was thinking of you yesterday. We're preparing for this podcast. Um, we, we do it in my house. And um, my, my three-year-old locked the office door and I had to cr- crawl through the window to to unlock the door and I was thinking yeah mother this is motherhood this is this is this is, this is the athletic sport of motherhood and um I I mean so, sort of like speaking to that that latter part but uh just the first part that you were talking about I feel like um you know and I'm especially looking at Jess with her 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 trauma specialization and thinking about how so much work now is talking about sort of the problem of trying to like address things from the top down from like from our with our brains and that just what you're saying about if if our pelvic floor isn't isn't settled if we're if we are not reintegrated um after having babies like what what are we going to do from there you know like how do you how do we even move from there it is it is such a brand new scary world in yep and in that state and what we're asking of new moms is, is actually kind of insane to just, and, and just settle down and, and whatever you do, don't be depressed or anxious. Right. (laughs) So it's so dependent on so many things. I mean, I, I have a history of trauma and um, I come from a family that um, my mom, my mom has a history of trauma and, you know, so attachment disorder has been something I've been working on my whole life. And, you know, for me, motherhood really put the magnifying glass on mm-hmm. that, and I really mm-hmm. fractured with that experience, mm-hmm. and um, I was in an unhealthy marriage, like, the list goes on and on, and um, I know from my experience of disassociating, and I know from the survival tools that I gained as a child and a, a young woman, um, that when I'm in that place, and I have checked out, <laughs> and I'm in a trigger, there's, there's absolutely nothing that um, I'm going to think my way out of mm-hmm. um, there are there are tools that I've learned to help myself in that moment but I think it's really damaging um, to give that information to women because motherhood is this experience that puts the magnifying glass on any piece of our lives that might be slightly off mm-hmm. um, or might mm-hmm. be triggering mm-hmm. in some way mm-hmm. and so it's like you know, we can't just give people happy-go-lucky messages. That, that's going to work for a percentage of people, and that's mm-hmm. wonderful. But that leaves the other 80%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, that's not a real statistic. It's just my idea. But yes. that leaves the yeah. rest yeah. of the majority of women kind of sliding around in this underbelly of, like, well, why doesn't that work for me? I mean, my daughter says this all the time. Like, uh, uh, she has OCD and generalized anxiety disorder, and um, she gets really sick of people telling her to be positive. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And um, she said, if that worked for me, don't you think I would do it? Oh, smart girl. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Awesome. And, and not that that's a bad thing. There's times to do that. There's sure. times to kind of use that boss voice and be like, okay, no self-pity. Let's move through this. But I think in that very tender period of the, the postpartum phase, um, <clears throat> coming back to the body and really learning how to respond to ourselves and how to respond to the um, uh, baby it becomes this very physical, nonverbal experience um, if done right. And unfortunately, most of us don't get it. I certainly didn't get it. I got so many messages 
uh, telling me how to be with the baby and sleep train them and mm-hmm. don't hold them too long, don't hold them this long. Yep. And as a yep. woman dealing with attachment disorder, Ugh. that completely threw me off. Mm-hmm. I was like, should I just hold the baby all the time? Because that's what I feel like I need to do. Mm-hmm. Do I not do that? Am I causing mm-hmm. it? It just had no natural impulse for that. Mm-hmm. And that was very fracturing mm-hmm. where really I just needed to sit in uh, myself. I needed to be in my body and I needed to work on, on healing uh, myself from a very deep place, mm. um, which I didn't get. I, I skipped over. So that that for me is so important. And I will say that once I started to integrate my pelvic floor and once my pain, my physical pain started to recede without having to think through anything, my behavior started to change. Mm. I started to become more powerful in ways that I could have never thought myself into. Um, it just began to happen as I as I moved away from the physical um, stuff as mm-hmm. much as physical pain. So that to me was very interesting. Okay, I integrate my pelvic floor, I get out of physical pain, and then um, I start behaving differently. Um, so that was interesting. Amazing, absolutely. I I just think you're saying this in ways that I don't I don't feel like this gets said mm-hmm. to be honest. <laughs> So, I mean, this might be sort of answering the next question then, um, which is, what do you, what do you really want moms to take away from Mama Strong or or just knowing you, just the moms that are maybe even hearing you for the first time right now? Um, I want them to take away uh, mostly that bigger bodies are not broken, that anything that feels like is going wrong in their body is actually... Um, a part of their body that's just seeking survival. So let's say they have back pain and that back pain is um, happening because their hip flexors have become dominant and that hip flexor dominant situation is causing an irritation in the joint, right? Um, Very familiar. familiar. Yeah. (laughs) We can easily look at that and say like, I'm falling apart. There's something wrong. But the reality is, is that hip flexor taking over is a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. It's doing that because its whole focus is to keep you going. Um, and so I love that flip of being able to think like, okay, when I'm dealing with pain or when I'm dealing with my body feeling like it's falling apart, in fact, it's just working really hard to keep me going and, um, nothing is, nothing is broken. And that piece feels really helpful, especially to the new mom, because it does feel like everything's falling apart. Um, and then I think the other piece that's important is that it's okay to, um, it's okay to be involved in your fitness uh, in a way that's not that doesn't compromise your values. So I find a lot of women who are attracted to Mama Strong um, come to it because they really want to take care of themselves. They want to feel good about their bodies, but they don't want to do it in the typical kind of glossy, materialistic way, <laughs> uh, vain way. They really just want to feel good about themselves. And um, some of them have avoided fitness because of the messaging and they've just decided like, okay, I'm not going to work out because I don't want to be a part of that world. And so my, what I like women to know is like, that's a really healthy thing to want. It doesn't mean that you're wanting to look different. Um, it means that you're wanting to be in your body and um, mom strong. And what I teach is really a good way to do that. We get to focus on our function. We get to feel good in our skin um, but not compromise our value system around anti-objectification on, uh, you know, female value and things like that. Um, it's really important to find the middle ground between rebelling against the fitness world or totally soaking it up and feeling terrible. There's a middle way, which is, I think, what Mama Strong really is. 
Wow. <laughs> just like, just gorgeous. Just amazing. We're like blown away. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We we see so many moms that are, feel like they don't belong in that world, right? They've just gotten yeah. so many messages that like fitness is not for them. Um, yep. How healing. Yep. Um, you've got some tenants of Mama Strong, mostly around uh, showing up and winning ugly, which we love. How would you say that fits into your experience of eating mindfully, especially, you know, around children? Um, and, you know, just to say that when we talk about mindful eating, that term is getting bandied about a lot lately. We're really mm-hmm. meaning being present uh, in whatever, sometimes a limited way. Um, possible eating when we're hungry, stopping when we're full, really listening to our bodies. Um, Mm. And maybe, you know, there's some other way of defining mindful eating that you would want to share with us as well. But yeah, we're just kind of wanting to know how that all fits together for you. Yeah. So um, as a a backdrop here, um, I come from a family where eating disorders were rampant. My sister um, was institutionalized when I was uh, in ninth grade. Um, for anorexia, and when I was 18 to to about 21, right after I got married, uh, I myself dealt with an eating disorder. I think um, what is misunderstood, and and this is my experience, I'm not, I I have zero clinical know-how in this, I'm just speaking from my heart. Um, My experience of it was, of course, as we know, it had nothing to do with food, it had nothing to do with being thin. Everybody's got their own thing, whether it's control over food or control over something that you can't control. Um, for me, I really felt like I was uh, needing to purge something very toxic. Um, and I felt like all food was out to hurt me. Um, mm-hmm. And that was my particular breed of an eating disorder. Um, mm-hmm. And so the way I overcame it was very different than how my sister overcame her, her breed of um, eating disorder. You know, she really had to go through exposure therapy and just eat without applying rules and regulations. And mine um, was a little bit different in learning about safety and learning about nurturing myself um, and having faith in something bigger than me, um, surrendering, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So everybody's got a different relationship around it. Um, and I, I, I would say that what happened from that experience was I flipped my relationship with food um, to remember that, uh, and it kind of is similar to where Mama Strong started, is that um, I really see my body as this incredible vehicle, and um, any cravings, anything that it wants is usually something that um, is really okay. So if I have a craving for chips or chocolate or things like that, there's something going on in the animal in me that needs those nutrients, and I get to look at it that way. Um, so my attachment to food has really changed from being emotional to being very like, uh, what is my body asking for? Why does it want that? Um, and that's been very liberating mm-hmm. uh, to where our food to me today is just a beautiful part of my life, and I have a lot of um, belief in my body being able to handle a lot of different things. So um I really like to take the attention off of, obviously, diet, (laughs) off of counting calories, off of all the ways we are taught to be healthy around food, even um, certain diet trends or not eating these things or that things. I I like to come back to like, okay, what is my body asking for? Um, 
and how would that be completely rational? You know, most of the time there's something very rational behind that want and we're taught the opposite. We're taught that mm-hmm. our cravings are usually very irrational. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's rational. Like when I have a craving for salty food, it's probably because I'm stressed out and my adrenals are taxed and my nervous system needs salt, needs that mineral. And it's just going to remember the last and most dense form that I gave it. So if that happened to be kettle chips, I'm going to be up at 10 o'clock at night craving kettle chips. Mm-hmm. And so um, to me, that's a beautiful want. How do, how do I then serve that in a way that makes me um, feel better? And then I think the other piece of it is that because of um, I have two autoimmune diseases and I got very, 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 very sick for uh, six years of my life and didn't think that I was going to be able to recover. Mm. Um, I, that experience really ripped away uh, any lingering issues with food because uh, I became so grateful for just feeling like I could get up in the morning. And mm-hmm. I think I had to go through that sort of bottom to just change how um, how controlled I felt about food or how scared I felt about the world. That just stripped it away to the bare bones, which was just like, I'm so grateful to be able to eat a carrot today mm-hmm. and not feel terrible mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um so that's really what I feel every day is just like this body of mine is so capable. It can handle toxins. It can handle un- food that's not organic. It can handle mm-hmm. uh, a bad day or a good day here. It can handle all that. And operating like that has made me far more healthy than the days uh, where I have eaten perfect diet. Mm-hmm. Living with that mentality makes me feel so much better. Um, I think that was kind of a winding way to answer you but that mindfulness about food comes from really not thinking that anything going on in my body any wants that I have are are irrational and same with my kids like I am not over their head about um how to eat uh I really followed um the the idea that I decide um what and where and they decide how much and if and love ourselves some Ellen Satter around here (laughs) and um I've gotten to witness the results of that now that I have a 12 year old Mm -hmm. who went through a period of time where she ate only carbohydrates and like did not have a very, um, very (laughs) experimental uh, palate. Mm -hmm. She she really, it was looking real bad. (laughs) I stayed away from it. I I stayed out of it and I just um, ate the way I knew to eat and I never talked badly about food. And sure enough today, the way she eats is so beautiful. Like even my um, uh, seven-year-old, like she might want sugar, but if she sits down and has a donut, she'll eat like a quarter of it and then go, oh, I'm done. And it's been so healing to watch that process mm-hmm. of what it looks like to step out of that, let let a child um, taste and experience and how they really do learn how to have this healthy relationship Mm -hmm. um that's been very healing to watch them have that so yeah well that Mm -hmm. is i mean what i what we're hearing so centrally here which um we're always saying but i i feel like you're embodying this not just around um pelvic floor integration and not just around just your body as a moving instrument but how you're feeding it too and just that that central foundational idea of body trust Mm -hmm. that we can trust our bodies and that is so antithetical to so much of the messages 
that women, moms, I mean, I mean, especially moms, not only can we not trust our bodies, but we can't trust our children's bodies and that, mm-hmm. that they're going to be okay, that they're, they can have the um, beige diet for a while and come out a 12 year old who, you know, I'm telling you, if anyone <laughs> wants proof of that, like mm-hmm. if you want to know your child can survive off of macaroni and cheese, like my 12 year old is a great example. And she eats a beautiful, she tries tons of food. We eat Ethiopian food. She asks for salad. Like it, it blows my mind. Cause I, I thought for sure I had ruined her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, totally. Can't break them either. <laughs> We're no. not broken. They're not broken. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So that brings us to like one of our favorite questions. It's our fun question. And actually, we were sort of talking earlier that when all foods fit, sometimes it's actually hard to think about this. But you know, there are some more like kid-oriented type foods. So, what's your favorite? Yeah. Oh my god, that's so easy for me to answer. <laughs> hands down, tater tots. Tater tots. And I discovered, unfortunately, unfortunately, like that uh what is it um is it orida mm-hmm. orida mm-hmm. or okay they came out with the most brilliant tater tot that i swear to god i i eat this i mean javen's sitting here she can attest to this uh they have the um crispy crown so they basically like took out the tater part of the top yeah, <laughs> the part that you don't want and so it's just the like crispy part it's so good like oh, actually yeah. i want them Anyway, those are by far, in a way, my favorite kid food. Tater That's tot. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love those, too. I love me some tater tot poutine. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. In that part, Napoleon Dynamite, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> the tots. We have a pocket full of tots. <laughs> so awesome. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up for you in the coming months and also where people can find you? Where where are you on social media, website, all that good stuff? So as you know, we just relaunched Mama Strong, mm-hmm. um, which has been exciting and terrifying and all the things you can imagine. Um, I stepped down as a CEO and I don't consider it stepping down, but I kind of like that because it, it's a good move. Um, and I'm, I am founder and we have a new CEO. Um, Cicely Dickinson, and she is just incredible. Um, and so you go to mamastrong.com, M-O-M-M-A, strong.com, and you can get all the info about how to sign up. We're only $5 a month. There's three programs, Mama to Be for pregnant folks, New Mama for the icky time, mm. <laughs> zero to six months uh, postpartum, and then six months and on is called Mama. So there's three programs, and we address all the needs in there. Um, we have a, a really exciting um, retreat coming up in just about a week's time, a week and a half, in Cape Cod, mm-hmm. um, which is sold out and amazing. And, you know, we're just going to keep plowing forward. Right now we're focusing on keeping our customers, our current customers, happy, and then we're going to be um, jumping into finding new folks. But um, as always, we're looking for new um, amazing members of our community to find us and find their fitness home and um, add to the greatness that happens there. So about it. That's yeah. <laughs> it's so brilliant. And one of the coolest things I saw last night on uh, the Mama Strong uh, Facebook board was um, people saying, "Do you recommend this to people who aren't mamas?" <laughs> and people were like, "Yes, yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You recommend it to men. You recommend it to yes, yes. You don't have to be a mama to be strong for sure." 
you do not. That is true. Well, Courtney, <laughs> this is so wonderful. We can't thank you enough um, for for talking with us today, but for Mama Strong and um, for all the work that you do and for being uh, such an important voice for moms, for women, for people to hear. So thank you thank so you. much. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me on and for being who you all are and doing the work you do. It's so important and I appreciate you guys a lot. Awesome. Thank you, Courtney. That means a lot to us yeah. for sure. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram. And definitely come on by our Facebook group, the Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, Remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.